Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spirit Seeker Hour. Spirit Seeker Hour is your chance to delve into the world of your inner spirit. The Spirit Seeker Hour is brought to you by Spirit Seeker Magazine. Go to www.spiritseeker.com to find out more. And now, here's Cindy Meyer. Hello and welcome to the weekly Spirit Seeker Hour, where, as the introduction said, you have a chance to... Hear wonderful authors, speakers, people on the front lines of making the world a better place through enhancing the mind, body, and spirit. And Spirit Seeker magazine's been uh, published for right at 20 years now. It's just hard for me um, to believe sometimes, but uh, it started off as a quarterly newsletter, then it evolved into a a six-time-a-year magazine, and then I think it was 2002 where we went to a monthly magazine. And uh, we have been published online since 1998, so we have readers all through the U.S. and to Canada, and it's interesting. People will take pictures, you know, when they're, I have an international flight attendant who's been a reader from, from day one, and she'll take pictures of um, the magazine in Spain. She'll say, Spirit Seekers in Spain, Spirit Seekers in Italy, Spirit Seekers in Holland. You know, she's just so much fun. So um, each and every month, the magazine is brought to you, and we also have a weekly email news- newsletter. And the newsletter reminds you of who the guests are on the radio show, uh, when the magazine is published online, um, as well as wonderful mind, body, spirit events um, everywhere, you know, that you know, we work with people all over. So we do not sell our sacral sanct email list, but we do allow others to let um, our email subscribers know uh, about things that are happening. So the point of this long little story here is if you would like to be added to our email list, please send me an email to info at spiritseeker.com and we will add you, uh, asking to be added to the list, and we will add you. Then you'll know who the guests are. You'll, um, you'll know the scoop, so to speak. All right, so the February issue is online. We are almost finished with our March issue, and some of the February articles are How Meditation Affects Heart Health, uh, Body Wisdom and Metaphor, Tending to Transforming Your Feelings So You Can Feel More Love, and an article by my guest that I'm bringing on in just a moment, The Forgotten Key to Letting Go. Fabulous articles. We also have astrology um, from a Vedic astrology astrologer in the Himalayas. He's an elderly gentleman that will not allow me to publish his photo, but his astrology is spot on. So that's all on the online magazine. Okay, so that is it for announcements. Um, I am now going to tell you just a little bit about my guest tonight. He is an uh, an author, but he's also a fabulously gifted as a life coach. His name is Blake Bauer. He um, brings a lot to the table. He uh, is the author. His most recent book is You Were Not Born to Suffer, Love Yourself Back to Inner Peace, Health, Happiness, and Fulfillment. He's had quite an interesting life. He's from Chicago in the Midwest, and as most of you know, Spirit Seeker is uh, started in the Midwest, and uh, you can find find Spirit Seeker all through Chicago. So it was kind of interesting to have a Chicago native as my guest, and although now his, his world has expanded, and he'll tell us about that, but he's traveled worldwide training with notable spiritual uh, healers, teachers, masters. Um, he's acquired an education in psychology, Chinese medicine, nutrition, herbal remedies, hypnosis, um, many different types of traditional and alternative medicine, um, and he's a sought-after coach and holistic practitioner because he works with the whole mind, body, and spirit. But I'm going to stop there. I'm going to um, say hello, Blake. Welcome to the call, and um, oh. welcome. Thanks so much for being my guest this evening. Hi, Cindy. Thank you so much for, for having me on. Yeah, so, you know, you've had an interesting journey. (laughs) You know, when I, um, I was very drawn when you contributed the article in the um, January issue on uh, the purpose of depression and disease. And that's that's pretty much, you know, what drew me to you. Your, your publicist was kind enough to send me, you know, the press release on the book. And I don't know, I was just very intrigued. I love the cover. I, I just, I like this book. 
And uh, I wanted to tell you that uh, after the uh, article was published in January about um, a different take on depression and disease, one of the email readers that, you know, I never heard from in her early 90s called me and said, I am 92 years old. I just read this article by Blake Bauer. I'm ordering his book. And she said, I, I, I can't tell you how much this article has changed my life. She said, because I have, you know, dealt with illness and disease. And, you know, I just had never thought about looking at it the way that he talks about. So, Blake, you have this hour. You get to share, you know, I'll, I'll ask questions here and there. But, you know, what, what would you like to share with our listeners tonight? And just anything you want to share about your journey, the book. It's yours. Well, Cindy, first I just want to say thank you so much. That you know your your you know everything you said was very touching to me, and I I do remember getting um, an email from my publicist who you're in contact with, telling me about this email that came from the lady you described, and I was so moved by that um, feedback, obviously because she and if she's listening, you know she's seen so much in her life, you know, and if she's been reading your magazine for for that many years then you know she's seen a lot of perspectives and approaches come and go and um you know probably you know experimented with them and um you know i loved i just loved receiving that you know and it was very um you know an honor an honor for me and i guess you know that's really tied up with what uh, motivates me is to share the perspective and the insights that I was lucky enough to find and that, you know, have helped me to be at peace and happy and um, have a life that's fulfilling and relationships that are healthy. And, you know, I'm speaking as a person who's not only had a very extensive education and uh, training and, and worked with a lot of people, all of it comes from my own deep psychological and emotional suffering and my, you know, very personal and very real intimate um, and desperate, really a desperate search for freedom from, you know, my pain, from my insecurity, from my, um, you know, anxiety, from um, sadness, from the hurt I experienced throughout my life as a child, um, you know, things that very um, were very real and keeping me trapped and keeping me tortured in my mind and in my heart and in my relationships and uh, very confused with how to move forward in life uh, and create a life that I could really enjoy that was very real and authentic in a world where, you know, we live in a world today where, you know, we're all struggling so much. And because of that, you know, a lot of people wear masks every day and, and pretend to be somebody that they're not just to survive, just to keep the job, just to keep the marriage going, um, you know, and, and so, you know, I guess, you know, that's that's really what brings us to our conversation today is that, you know, my intention is just to share as much as I can about what I've been lucky enough to learn. And now I've worked, I don't know where the number's at, but could be between 20 and 30,000 people um, personally through, um, through workshops, through one-on-one uh, sessions, through my book. Um, you know, so, it, it, you know, I've been lucky to witness a lot of people you know, go through healing and go through, um, you know, share themselves with me in a very real way, which, you know, a lot of us don't have that safe container and that um, space in which to really open our heart fully and let all the pain and all the fear um, out and then, you know, allow our true self to kind of, you know, guide our actions and our words in every moment of every day. We're, you know, we're, we're often we're very scared of that. I guess, you know, what's coming to mind is I'm in Los Angeles at the moment for, for the Conscious uh, Life Expo. And I went last night to hear Marianne Williamson speak um, with my sister, because my sister goes to see her every week. And people were asking questions. And for a lot of people, you know, it's one thing to understand the perspective, but it's a whole other thing to put things into practice. And this thing that you know, just came so strongly to me last night was just the importance. And, and for everybody who's li- listening, I would just want to invite everybody. And Cindy, you know, if you want to join me in this, just to take some nice deep breaths and just notice, you know, if you're holding tension anywhere in your body and if you're contracting, you know, you don't have to, you know, I like to breathe through my nose into my belly and open everything up. 
but just to notice if you're holding tension in your shoulders, in your chest, in your stomach, you know, just let everything open because so much of the pain that we're holding and the pain that we keep creating comes from this contraction that we have in the present moment. And then we cause ourselves more problems because we're coming from an, a, a contracted and, and fear-based place. So for me, very literally, if I can breathe and, and open my body um, in the present moment, and it helps me to apply all the things I know intellectually. You know, it helps me to apply you know, well, this is happening because it's meant to be, or I need to just let go and trust. And um, so I would invite, again, everybody who's listening to just take some nice deep breaths and breathe because it's not about, you know, we don't want to just get somewhere, you know, really everything we need is right here. And it's about training ourselves to be present, training ourselves to have the highest perspective possible, and then practicing that day in and day out. It really is that simple for me, you know, to, you know, I just need to be present, I need to have my perspective in order, and I need to practice that. And when we lose ourselves to fear or we're reacting or we're, we're anxious, um, it's hard to have good perspective. It's hard to have a healthy perspective, and, you, and you're often coming from a fear-based perspective or an, act, uh, you know, an anxiety or a reactive-based perspective, and then that just creates more problems. So, again, I just wanted to invite, you know, everybody who was listening to just breathe and and, um, you know, everything, everything that's happening right now in my life, in your life, in our lives is meant to be for our learning. And the only way we're going to get the lesson is if we open up and breathe and allow space. We need space. You know, we all want more space. So um, for me, again, you know, these concepts are great, but to make it practical, I need to breathe and I need to open my body and exp- let my energy expand you know, wherever I am, if I'm in, a, in my bedroom, an office, a car, uh, you know, sitting in my, my den or my lounge room, you know, just, just let yourself expand and just breathe. Um, you know, that's for me a key to letting any of the tension go and then, you know, enjoying life in this, in this moment. And then obviously throughout the rest of our conversation, Cindy, we're going to talk a lot about, you know, different perspectives on things. But it always comes back to that. That's how you make everything practical is by breathing, opening instead of contracting, which then allows all the books you read and all the things you know to come into your consciousness and then override the fear or the anxiety or the reaction um, that, that you might be experiencing. So, again, for just our time together, I would just encourage everybody to just open, just breathe and open and relax. Any tension in your body. Um, and just let yourself be without having to be more or do more and just, just sit here and breathe. Um, so yeah, yeah. But I guess that's my intention moving forward. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? It's the truth though. You know, I was, um, I, I've, I've reinvented myself several times this lifetime and in 1992, I, uh, had the honor of meeting Sandra Ray who, you know, it, she kept um she she was in the Himalayas so I I could not um interview her for an article so instead I had to write this article and um so I I had to read her books to write this article about her right she was coming to St. Louis and she was one of the biggest people at that time that was an advocate of breathing and I actually signed up for this breathwork certification life coach training having never even had a session right which is against all the rules at that time you were supposed to like (laughs) take all these classes but I just knew you know that after hearing her like talk at an intimate group of about 20 people you know it was the first time I was ever introduced to a a Sanskrit mantra Om Namah Shivaya all this stuff and I and I was like okay, I don't know what this all is, but if this lady keeps saying that, you know, if you don't like your life, you can change it. You created it. You can change it. But the breath is the fastest way I know to change it. And so the next night she talked to 300 people, and the next thing you know, I'm in this breathwork training, never realizing how much I held my breath, Mm. which is exactly what you just talked about. And I'd like to read, if I may, one of the quotes that you shared in your book before we go go off, you know, um, it, with this interview, because I know it's just going to be like there's not going to be enough time for every – well, there will be enough time, but you know what I mean. We could probably talk forever. But, but here's this quote from John Lennon, which I think will be a perfect uh, segue into our next part. 
John Lennon says, and I've never heard this until your book, there are two basic motivating forces, fear and love. When we are afraid, we pull back from life. When we are in love, we open to all that life has to offer with passion, excitement, and acceptance. We need to learn to love ourselves first in all our glory and our imperfections. If we cannot love ourselves, we cannot fully open to our ability to love others or our, our, or our potential to create. Evolution and all hopes for a better world rest in the fearlessness and open-hearted vision of people who embrace life. Fabulous. Absolutely. So you reminding us to breathe is like one of the most, you know, basic things. I mean, I I I thank you for opening with that and I encourage anyone listening to this to to do exactly what Blake suggested, take a breath every once in a while, you know, especially, you know, if something is like, you know, touching you deeply, that's the most important time to take that breath and really embrace it. So here we go. Where do you want to go next, Blake? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I think you know it's it's there's actually nowhere else to go, and so I want everybody to stay there if you can because um, that really is the key to being available to all the blessings that are you know available for us in life. And basically, it's like you know if you're holding a bag tight, the whatever's in the bag can't come out. So if you've got pain in your body physical pain, which is really emotional pain that you've been holding in your whole life or, you know, physical disease, which is emotional toxicity that you've been holding in your whole life, then it can't come out if you stay contracted. So that breathing really is the key. And I think a lot of us know that we, because we've been hurt so much in the past, we've taught ourselves to live in our head and to live in our thoughts because we think that if we stay in the head, then we can avoid getting hurt. And it's like we can always scheme and make a plan to avoid pain or avoid getting brokenhearted or avoid being abandoned or avoid being rejected. And then that obviously sabotages and blocks us from everything that we actually want, which is peace and health and happiness and intimacy and vulnerable connection where we feel met and understood with another human being. And there's only one way to do that, and that's to be in the present moment with your heart open, breathing really nice and deep and being in your body and feeling, feeling your body. And so, you know, and, you know, obviously tied up with so much of what I talk about, which is this teaching of how to love ourselves unconditionally, the way one of the biggest, you know, paths to, to achieving that is learning to train yourself to be more present and to breathe deeply because the more you do that, the less you're in your head thinking you have to be more, do more, or have more to finally be lovable. And, you know, that's been a huge part of my struggle in my life is I've always struggled with insecurity and inadequacy and a lack of not only self-love, but a lack of knowing how to love myself. So not only did I not love myself, but I didn't know how. And, um, you know, to be able to implement all the tools that we learn or we read about, we have to come back to the present moment and be able to apply it to the current moment, the current situation, the current relationship. So, for example, um, you know, I had an extensive uh, training um, in, in past life regression therapy, for example, and I'm just using this to make a point. And I think it's, it's, it is a very effective tool and it helps a lot of people, but if you can't use the insights that you've observed in a past life and felt in a past life and then come back to the present life, to your present marriage or your present relationship or your present job situation or whatever it is that you're facing today and actually speak and act based on 100% honesty, which is based on 100% love and value and respect for yourself and your truth, and who you really are and what you really want and what you really need, then you're going to stay stuck. So that's why I've found that the, for me, after, you know, exploring as much as I could to understand, you know, what was possible in human consciousness and, and, and healing uh, and spiritual practice, that for me it came back to mastering how to love myself unconditionally in the present moment. And I couldn't do that if I wasn't breathing deeply and aware in the present of when I'm reacting and I'm in a, 
a thought that's based on fear or insecurity or inadequacy. Now, ironically, the other thing that I wanted to point out that came to mind right away, again, I struggled as a young man a lot with inadequacy. Like I was just never good enough. You know, I never was good enough to deserve love. And it, I mean, obviously that goes back to my mom and my dad and not feeling worthy and deserving of their love and their attention as a child. But as a young man and as a man going through my life, I always felt like I had to please others for them to love me. And as a heterosexual male, I felt I had to please women for them to love me. I never really knew or understand understood that I was lovable just the way I am. And not only am I lovable, but I actually am love itself. And I believe that's the same for you and for everybody listening. But because we've been so hurt and then we go and we live in our head and we're not actually breathing, like you said, we're not breathing. We're in our head thinking about all the possibilities that, you know, are full of fear and insecurity and worry and negativity um, or to avoid getting hurt and meanwhile, we're missing this source that's inside of us. And for me, being able to be in the present not only helped me to come back to myself in the capacity I was just referring to, but also that when I, I learned to stop contracting and I became very uh, addicted and passionate uh, about Qigong, which you know is very similar to Tai Chi, except I found it's, there are forms of Qigong that are more effective for unlocking stuck energy, stuck emotion, and stuck blood, which I found to be the cause of disease and depression is any stuck emotion, stuck energy, or stuck blood in the body. But as I learned to open myself, and the breath, again, is a key to that, instead of contracting, when you open yourself in that way, our body is a, is a channel for energy and a channel for the universe and a channel for the infinite. And if you believe in God, whatever you believe God to be, it's also a channel for God. But if you're not breathing and you're contracting, you can't let them come through, that come through. So ironically, of course we feel insecure. Of course we feel inadequate. Of course we feel disconnected from the source because literally inside we're so contracted in like a, like a hose that's knotted up. The water's flowing and it's building up but it's not getting through so we you know we're thirsty but we can't get the water because there's a kink in the hose and that's because we're all so contracted and so as you breathe more and more and, and obviously there's yoga and there's tai chi and there's all types of physical exercise and, and then all types of emotional healing to clean out the inside but on an overall picture like a broader kind of scope as we open ourselves in whatever way we find effective and feels good for us then we allow the infinite universe and all the energy to come through us, which not only heals things and not only gives us the energy we need to make changes or choices or to, to face our fears, but also in the present gives you all the energy you need to feel well and to feel at peace and to feel enough. Because when you're finally open to your truth and to yourself in the present, you're, you're open to that infinite source of energy that's flowing through you that is connected to who you are, like the, the cup of the ocean that you are, which is still one with the ocean. It's the same water, the same ocean water. Um, and, and, and for me, it was huge because I finally learned to feel enough. And it wasn't intellectual. It wasn't a belief. It wasn't like I had to keep saying this affirmation, I'm enough, I'm enough, I'm enough, I'm enough. Well, guess what? That wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for me to feel enough. I had to learn to breathe deep and open my body and obviously clean out what was stuck in there, but to open myself, which was the first and most important part of it. Um, so I could let my infinite nature flow from me and through me. Um, you know, and I'm sure Cindy, you, you're familiar with that process in yourself. Oh, you know, everything you're saying is resonating. I mean, in your book, I, I, I just, I have to like mention your book, like what I, uh, there's so many things I love about it. But I love that every chapter you remind people, okay, take that breath, take it into your, you know, fully into your abdomen. You remind everybody, just like, just open up. And I have to tell you, that breathwork training that I signed up so long ago, this is what the instructors said to me weekend after weekend. If they had said it one more time, I remember one time thinking, if they say it one more time, I swear to God, I'm going to scream. They would say, <laughs> get out of your head 
and go into your heart. I'm like, what does it even mean? You know, I was so analytical. I mean, I I was a scientific girl, a nurse. I understood all that part, and but I didn't understand. You know, I did not understand. Uh, and and but the breath is what started my journey of finally, finally getting in touch with the emotions. I mean, I'd done psychotherapy. I'd done I'd done so much. You know how it works. And then finally you get off that path of analyzing everything, you, although you do your own introspection, of course, but it was like, oh, oh, I understand now, you know, but it took it took a lot of breath before I could even, like, surrender to, like, the breath, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, it does, because we're so used to living the opposite way, and we've been doing it for so long that our nervous system is trained that way, you know, in the same way you go to the gym and, you know, you work out and you train your muscles in a certain way and over time they build up. And sometimes you can be, if your posture is not right or your um, your form is not correct, you can build up, you know, kind of like painful, you know, parts of muscles and joints and hurt your tendons and, you know, things like that. So a lot of times, we, you know, based on that breathing that's not really healthy for us, um, you know, we create neurological and physical pathways and uh, symptoms in the body that can be very hard to override, you know, and I think that's another thing. I mean, I'm sure you've got a very broad um, spectrum of listeners. You know, there are those maybe who are new, and then there are people who have been listening for a long time, and, and the people who have been listening for a long time know the truth of this is that if you think about how old you are, you have to think it took you this many days of this many weeks of this many months of this many years to get to where you are. So if you're not happy with where you are or you're only somewhat happy with you are, please give yourself, you know, be kind to yourself and be, you know, have some, a little bit of patience with yourself because it took you your whole life to get to this moment in time, regardless of whether you're sick or depressed or just not feeling great about your relationship or your job. You know, it took you this many years of what you learned from your parents and from your education and from your religious upbringing or a lack of religious upbringing and then every thought you've thought, every word you've said, every feeling you've felt, every action you've taken, every, you know, spoken word that's come out of your mouth, that's what got you here. So it takes a little bit of time to override 40 years of a lack of self-love or 40 years of self-destructive thinking and behavior or 40 years of self-destructive breathing. So it's good to be, it's good to be patient. But the beautiful thing is, which again comes back to this breath, is that the whole past, your entire past, and if you believe in past lives, even all that past is present right here, right now. And all of the future, which is either going to be a heaven or a hell for you, based on whether you learn to love yourself or not, and, and breathe and do what we're talking about, that's present now too. So you can heal all of it if you're willing to, to breathe deeply and go deep into the truth of all this. You know, it's, So for me, I had to learn to breathe deeply to heal deeply because to heal deeply, I had to feel deeply. And that's why most of us breathe so, so shallow um, is because there's just so much stored emotion um, in, in our body. And actually for those people, anybody who's listening that knows, you know, how, how um, crazy the voices in your head can be at times. And, and I'm not saying from a judgmental spot, I'm coming from just, uh, you know, from observing, you know, myself included, we all have, uh, countless voices in our heads at times. And what I realized eventually was that most of those thoughts are just symptoms of repressed emotions. So we have reactive thoughts, which are symptoms of repressed emotions. And then we have intuition and, and pure insight. There's a very big difference. And we all know that. And you have pure insight and intuition, which is like a clear knowing and, or it, it brings you joy, you know, it brings you joy or it brings you clarity. And then you have reactive thinking, which is the symptoms of repressed pain, basically. And so that's a really good thing to know objectively, you know, simply, um, you know, about, you know, for me, about understanding the process of being human and, and the experience, I guess, that we're having in this body. Um, well, and I love your heal yourself now questions, you know, the the self-inquiry and, and then how you then follow it up with love yourself now affirmations. And then, I mean, some of, you know, you, you have so many fabulous quotes in here from wonderful philosophers and, you know, teachers across all times and space. And I'm 
like, oh my gosh, you know, and, and Qigong, I, re, I my first teacher was in his 70s and had more energy than most of the people in their 30s, you know, and within yes. the first hour, we had to literally um, send the chi through a brick wall and there was like, you know, through a fireplace, like through a brick wall of a house, like we were all, you know, there was someone on the other side and we had to literally send the energy through that brick wall. And I, I remember thinking, how can this possibly be done? But then, you know, when you learn to use the breath and to harness the energy and the teachings of Qigong, as we, and, and you're right, I've had several teachers in Qigong and they are not all the same, you know. They're, they're, yes. But I'll tell you what, you know, the, my first teacher was um, this humble uh, Dr. Gabriel Chen. I will never forget him. You know, it, it, just like when you were sharing with some of your teachers in your book, I was like, oh, it's just these people that were blessed that just, you know, are there. Okay, so here here, uh, Dr. Gabriel Chen and his wife had this humble practice in uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan, and the way they were paid is there was a jar on a table where people put what they could afford. And he would have the chairs lined up in the hall, and he'd have all the different people sitting in the chairs, and then he would do group, he would send chi, mass chi, to, like if it was, you know, he'd send the just, you know, to everything, to, to boost their whole everything. I, I love how you address very few people in my years of studying have mentioned that things get stagnant in the blood as well. So he mm. would send chi all over, and then he would go to the specific area, if it was a stomach, if it was a person's breast or, you know, head or wherever the, you know, the congestion was. And then, you know, that's how he treated them, and he, they paid what they could, and if they traveled from far, they would give them tea and soup. Okay, so people kept hearing about these miraculous recoveries, you know, of these people who got better going to this Qigong guy. And, the, and so the University of Ann Arbor, Michigan, said, okay, we want to see what this is all about. So they didn't let him into the operating room, but they let him in to the, the room underneath the operating room. And he sent the chi up through the floor, up into this operating room during this <laughs> long surgery. And I'm telling you what, the doctors and nurses and anesthesiologists came out. They used less anesthesia. The patient recovered quick, you know, more quickly. And it's like, yeah. you know, Okay, so you know. So, but you know, Blake, seriously, hardly anyone talks about the congestion with the blood. They're like, "Oh, you know, you kind of understand it, but people don't. They don't understand it." So, I, you know, I just love how you have covered like from every angle. You've talked about Chinese, well, you you have this background in Chinese medicine and Qigong. So, I mean, I don't know. I I just I just I I think you this book, everyone should have it, and everyone should read it, and it should be like, you know, I mean, it's a fabulous book. That's all I'm going to say. And I love your butterfly, you, and I love how you brought that in with, you know, the the how the butterfly came to be. Do you want to share that with our listeners? Because I, I love your cover. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I guess it's, a, it's, it's actually a very loaded um, topic, but I was at a point when I was writing the book, where I was going through a tough time um, in my relationship, actually. And I was feeling a lot of pain in my heart. And I saw this beautiful, I was in Australia at the time, and I saw this beautiful blue butterfly land on a flower in front of me. And immediately it brought me this relief, just looking at the flower. It kind of snapped me out of the feeling and the thought that I was trapped in and it, it, it caused me to breathe and it caused this lightning in my energy and I became so inspired to just research everything that I could about butterflies and about, um, you know, the process, you know, the, the cellular and biological process that they go through, you know, in their transformation. And, um, and then I came across this story online actually and it's a pretty, it seems to be a pretty generic story that's all over the internet, but it really moved me and it, and it seemed to just apply to everything that I was trying to communicate. And so I relay this story, um, you know, and, and coming across this story in, in one, the first chapter of the book titled The Butterfly. And the story was about um, a woman who had brought two cocoons into her house because she wanted to watch the butterflies uh, hatch or break free from their cocoon and take flight. And um, she eventually describes one of the butterflies begins to break free of the cocoon and, and she watches the butterfly kind of 
you know, make its way out uh, and then, you know, pauses and then, you know, eventually kind of pushes its way out with its wings. And, and after it had seemed to struggle for a while and then eventually liberate itself, it had laid there on the table and not flown yet for a while. And then eventually after, you know, a short period of time, the butterfly got up and, and it flew away and she had, you know, near a window supposedly. So the butterfly flew out this window and then, she had watched this butterfly go through the process. And from her perspective, the butterfly struggled quite deeply to get out of the cocoon. And so she meant well, and like all of us with these, you know, our big hearts and, and, and with the best of intentions at times, um, she took a razor blade and she cut open the second butterfly's cocoon because she thought, you know, she didn't want the second butterfly to, to struggle like the first one did. And, so she opened up the cocoon very gently and very carefully and and but the butterfly laid there just like the first one did, but it never got up and it never flew and eventually it died and uh, sometime after this had happened she went she happened to be with a friend or she went to see a friend, and this friend was a biologist, and she asked the the friend you know she told her the story and asked her why this had happened and the the friend said that the struggle that a butterfly goes through to liberate itself from its cocoon. So as it pushes its wings against the inside of the cocoon, from the inside out, as it pushes against the cocoon to force it open and make its way out and to wiggle out, there's a process that goes on inside of the body of the butterfly in the body's cavity, the butterfly's body cavity, where there's a liquid and the struggle and the pushing and the force causes this liquid from inside the body to go out into the tiny capillaries into the wings of the butterfly. And without that struggle, the liquid can't find its way into those capillaries and give the wings the, the strength that they need to fly. And it just seems so powerful to me. And, you know, my life had been defined by so much pain from my childhood. And as a young man, I just struggled so much and was so tortured psychologically and emotionally and but that struggle led me to deeper and higher levels of understanding and liberation and peace and it kept going so even when I would hit this painful cycle or this painful period or patch or day or moment it always shifted into more strength more clarity more peace more happiness um and the process kept going, as I'm sure a lot of people listening um, could understand. And so um, in the book, I liken, um, you know, our journey to the butterfly's journey from caterpillar into the cocoon and from cocoon to butterfly. And then as the book progresses, I talk about the development of the ego. And I liken the caterpillar creating a cocoon to become a butterfly to the process of us as, as kids who come into the world very sensitive and vulnerable. And we get hurt. And then we realize, you know what, I don't want to get hurt anymore. And that's when we begin to develop the ego self, this, this separate defensive identity that it has a fabric that's made up of our beliefs about who we are and where we come from and what life is about and what God is and how important money is or how to, how to survive in this physical world. And we develop this ego or this cocoon to protect our heart and to give us some sense of control because most of us don't feel like, you know, we have control as children. We feel very helpless and, and like the victims of our circumstances and our environment. And so I believe that we create or from my what I realized in myself, and I think it's a very loaded uh, perspective and it's so important to get to. Um, is that we create our ego as an act of self-love, the same way a caterpillar creates its cocoon as an act of self-love, so that we have some sense of protection and some sense of self while we go through the inner healing necessary and learn to love ourselves, which then heals all the pain inside of us. And then as we liberate ourselves from the, from the cocoon and from the pain, we're, we're so aware and we know how to honor ourselves in every second of every day. That's kind of where we move towards. We know how to be true to ourselves with our words and our actions in every moment of every day that we don't need to operate from the fear and safety and security of the cocoon anymore. And 
through that process, we become a liberated, free, and full expression of who we really are, and our life reflects that as well. And, and the butterfly's levity and lightheartedness and joyfulness and that beauty, I believe, uh, you know, symbolically or metaphorically mirrors back to us our, our own beauty and our own, the, the miraculous truth of our own soul and, and the miraculous truth of our life that, you know, we're alive and we're breathing and we're not even enjoying our breathing and we're not even enjoying the food that we're eating or the love that we're making or the water that we're drinking because we're in our head thinking about tomorrow instead of actually enjoying the present or the people that we share our lives with, you know, our brother dies or our mother dies or a child dies. And we think, God, I took that life for granted. And it's true because you know what? I took my own life for granted. I took today for granted because I thought I had tomorrow for myself or I thought I had tomorrow with that person, but maybe that tomorrow never came you know, for you or for that person or for a loved one. And, you know, it's all so tied up. And so the butterfly analogy for me has just been so powerful and, and specifically the metaphor of the cocoon being like the ego. And, and the, the, the important takeaway point from that too is that if we make, most spiritual teachings make the ego the enemy. But if you, if you make the ego the enemy, that's a part of you that you're rejecting. That's a part of you that you're being aggressive toward. That's a part of you that you're, it's like you're making wrong. But if you can come from the perspective that, you know, if, if you're one with God or, or one with the universe and everything is created for a reason, there's no mistakes, there's a, there's a logic, there's a rationale to the way nature and the universe and atoms and everything is designed and functions or works, then the ego has to fit into that as well. So, um, you know, eventually I got to the point where I, my, my view is that the universe is, you know, this is one being, one self or God. And, and so everything is an expression of the universe's love for itself or God's love for itself, like just a creative masterpiece, if you will, for its own joy and its own bliss, just like our own life hopefully will become, instead of a painful hell, which we, we either don't realize we're making it or we know we've realized we've accepted that we've created this hell, but we're still learning how to change it. Um, part of the key is to accept that even that ego part of you, that defensive part, the reactive part, the part that gets proud, the part that puts other people down or puts you, you above other people or, or even puts you below other people, that they're better than you, that ego part of you, you created as an act of self-love to survive because that's what you thought you had to do. And now as you wake up and you become aware and, and like you go back, when we go back to that John Lennon quote, when we realize we have a choice by breathing and being present, we have a choice. We can either choose based on fear. We can either speak and act based on fear, which is tied up with anxiety and guilt and shame and regret or we can speak and act based on love. And speaking and act, acting based on love appears to be the harder choice, but it's not true. So it's like you're in a situation and it's either I speak my truth or I kind of just you know keep it in and hide it because I'm afraid of hurting the other person. So we think it's easier to come from fear, fear of hurting someone, fear of being rejected, fear of being abandoned. So we keep it in and we think that that's the easier path because it appears that to be honest, totally honest with our words and our actions in every situation, that seems to be the harder choice. But I actually don't think it is. I actually think once, you know, you kind of get over the hump, you realize it's actually harder to live a lie. It's actually harder to make yourself sick and miserable and go back to relationships and jobs and situations that are not healthy for you. And so we have this illusion that it's easier to do that, but it's not easier. And the other thing is, you know, it's like suffering in life is going to happen. Like we're going to have struggles. But when you're true to yourself and you're engaged in work or relationships that actually are real and not a mask and not, you know, not soul-destroying but soul-nurturing, if you struggle, if you suffer, you actually know it's worth it to stay alive and to get through it because on the other end, you've tasted the fresh air, you've tasted the joy, you've tasted the love, you've tasted that breath and that space and, 
and not suffering. But if you choose the other path, it seems easier, but it's not, where you live a lie or you keep in your true feelings or you, you, know, you just go to work out of fear or go back to a marriage or a relationship out of fear, then you not only keep hurting yourself mentally and emotionally and then make yourself sick physically, but the struggles that life will inevitably bring to us, you know, the loss of a loved one, you know, having to make dis- important decisions, um, you know, getting hurt, you know, something not going your way, the struggles don't feel worth it. And then you think, you know what, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be alive or I should take my life because you know what, it doesn't feel worth it. And it's not, you know, for a lot of us, it's not worth it. And so often you know, I'll have clients who come to me who are suicidal and I, I don't belittle or, you know, I, I think it's very real. But the truth, I believe, is if you don't get it this time, you have to come back and do it again. So why not just Absolutely. get it now, get it now and, and stop putting yourself through misery and stop putting other people through misery, too, because when you're, when you're coming from fear because you think that then you're not being selfish, which is actually not true, if you think, you know, to be true to yourself is to be too selfish, it's actually not the truth. But if you come from fear and you think you're being selfless, but you're hurting yourself and you're resentful and you're bitter and you're angry and you're not happy and you're sick and you're depressed, then guess what? Your toxicity and your, excuse me, your self-destructive relationship to yourself then becomes toxicity that overflows and destructiveness that overflows to everybody in your life, you know, so. Um, it's, it's, it's just so interesting, you know, that, you know, the softening and being vulnerable and taking, you know, taking that chance again, you know, I, I, Long ago, I read the book Love is Letting Go of Fear by Gerald Jampolsky. And, you know, he's done the whole thing with attitudinal healing and kids, you know, worked a lot with kids with cancer and different things. And, you know, but I'll never forget this one part of that book. It's just, you know, I've used it in my own life when I've gotten stuck and I just said, remember, okay. And what he said is there's never been a movie made, very rarely, unless, you know, it's like a documentary and you couldn't change anything. But normally when you make a movie, there's scenes that have to be reshot because, you know, you look at the takes, you know, at the end of the day and you're like, oh, that's okay, but it could be, you know, I think we need to add a little more light or we need a little more expression or whatever. So, so films are edited. You don't change change the context, but you edit out and splice in the, you know, the new scene. So it's like we can't change what's happened. We can't, you know, I can't change that, you know, I had a father with huge addiction issues who, you know, that came first and children came second. I, I you know, it's right. kind of a long story. But I can't change that. But what I can change is the fact that it wasn't that he didn't love me. He just had a hard time loving himself. And so yeah. when I reframed that and re spliced in that story, it's like it's not not we're not saying to be in denial, but we're saying that you know, it takes courage to love yourself and that's the whole key. It's learning how to love yourself. And yet, you know, I was raised in a Catholic house household where, you know, think of all the poor people in China, you know, you ate every bite of food on your plates and you know, like, you know, even when you weren't hungry because, you know, like all the programming that goes in. It's kind of crazy right. when you think about it. And then, you know, but but I I love how this book offers tools and offers suggestions in the self-inquiry process, but then also, you know, how to how to come at it. You come at it from so many different angles. And I, I just have to share this quote by Dr. Seuss that you have on the chapter of always <laughs> express your inner truth, which I think is like throat chakra stuff. We have so much throat chakra stuff. And then, you know, the heart chakra, when it gets congested, you know, a lot of times it's like the throat chakra that didn't express it and it got stuck in the heart. I mean, I <laughs> You know, you know how this works. Absolutely. And so, yeah. and so this, I love this, this quote by Dr. Seuss. Be who you are and say what you feel because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. <laughs> yes. Tell yeah. the truth. I tell think... the truth faster. And it's like with yourself, you know, I mean, that's, and it's, it's like you can change anything. Like you can re-splice it. You just have to like rethink it or, or, or re-feel it or whatever it takes to get, you know what you know where you're talking you know about that inner peace and loving 
Mm, absolutely. And I think, too, you know, Cindy, what we don't realize is that we choose, even if we're not aware of it, we choose our beliefs. So if you believe that, you know, someone did this to you or someone made you sick or someone ruined your life, you're believing that. You're, you're choosing to believe that. If you believe that we live in a loving universe or that God is always with you or Jesus is always with you or, or you know, the Buddha was the way, you know, whatever you believe, um, you know, that life is meant to be great or life is hard and you can't enjoy what you love or marriage, you know, is meant to endure and it doesn't always mean you're happy. You know, whatever you believe, you're choosing to believe that whether you realize that you're, you're making that choice or not. And as you learn to breathe, like we were talking about in the beginning, and you create more space inside of you, you, you learn to not be so attached to all your thoughts, and you realize that you're not your thoughts, and you're not the voice in your head. It's only part of you. It's only an expression of part of you. And as you learn to live in that space, you can observe your thoughts, and you can observe your beliefs more objectively, and then you can choose beliefs and choose a perspective that leads to liberation and to freedom and to peace and happiness and connection instead of choosing beliefs that lead to suffering, victimhood, bad relationships, unfulfilling work, and pain. But a lot of times we're so trapped in the thoughts, in the beliefs, that we're the victim of our thoughts, and we don't realize that we actually have a choice in the matter. But you always have a choice in the matter. But if you're not breathing and you're not present and you don't have the space, then you, you don't you aren't you aren't accessing your capacity to choose. You aren't available to choose, which means you're not available for the miracle. If you're not available for the choice, you're not available for the miracle. But if you make yourself available for the choice, you make yourself available for the miracle, which can be healing, transformation in a relationship, the job opportunity, you know, the the, the work opportunity the opportunity to heal a relationship that's been painful for 30 years. When you create the space inside yourself, you create the space for that to happen. You make yourself available to make the choices that can create that and, and allow the miracle to come in. Um, and there was something else that you, you mentioned that I wanted to speak to. Oh, you know, so what I just, what I, you know, I've, I've basically committed my life's work to outlining for, for others as I have selfishly learned myself, how do you practically love yourself? Because all of our problems and all depression, all disease come back to not loving ourselves in the present and not knowing how to love ourselves in the past and not knowing how to practically do it in every situation today. And really what it comes down to is learning to speak and act your, from your truth in the present moment. And what that means practically is, I feel this, I need this, I want this. This is what I want to do today for me. This is what I need to do today for me. This is what I feel in this situation. This is what I feel about this situation. This is what I feel about this relationship. And to act in alignment with that truth. So to speak and act in alignment with that inner truth. Now, to me, that's actually how you love yourself. That's how you be yourself. That's how you... Uh, that's how you express yourself and that's how you value yourself because like the Dr. Seuss quote, if you don't matter to you, which means if your feelings don't matter to you, if your thoughts and emotions don't matter to you, if your dreams don't matter to you, if your needs in, in partnership for intimacy or your needs in work to have fulfilling, purposeful, meaningful work, if those things don't matter to you, well, guess what? You're not going to matter to anybody else. People will walk all over you, use you, take advantage of you, mistreat you, abuse you, because you're allowing it, and they're actually the universe or God in your faith saying, when are you going to learn this lesson? When are you going to learn to value yourself? When are you going to be true to yourself? That's all they're there for. They're yep. there to wake you oh. up to the truth. And that is the key to everything. But to be able to do that and to practice that, you have to breathe. Seriously, because the breathing is the anchor. The breathing brings you back to the present. So you can remember I said the pre presence, perspective, and practice. That's the only way to apply this. 
Because if in your head, you're like, you know what we do? We say, oh, you know what? Tomorrow is when I'll tell him the truth. Tomorrow is when I'll tell her the truth. Next year, when all this other stuff works out, then I'll be honest. You know, next year, once I've paid all these bills, then I'll leave my job. Well, then you're signing up for a year of suffering. You're signing up for pain. And that's the wow. game we play with ourselves in our head 24-7 yeah. for most of yeah, our there's lives. A whole, there's this whole chapter, uh, listeners, take 100% personal responsibility. And it starts off with when you think everything is someone else's fault, you will suffer a lot. When you realize that everything springs only from yourself, you will learn both peace and joy. His Holiness, the 14th Dalai Lama. And it's like, you know, we could gather evidence against anyone or anything and create a case. You know, I mean, it's like, for what? <laughs> Give it up. Right. You know? It's just like, it's your choice. And I, I remember I, I remember when I was a nurse, there was this, this one, our supervisor in the cardiac cath lab was just this miserable person. She was just always miserable. Just, oh, I don't know. And, you know, it's pretty hard to have miserable people around you when you have to be there at 645 in the morning and, you know, you're working with right. people's hearts all day long. And I remember one day this this nurse who was kind of a spunky said to the um, the director of the lab, she said, you know, Esther, and I know she'll never love, listen to this, so it's okay that I said her name. She goes, you know, Esther, you have to lie down to be walked on. That's for <laughs> sure. To, I love that. I, and it was like. <laughs> I never heard that before. Like, I love that. Well, neither had I. And it was like, you know, you have to be a rug, you have to lie down to be walked on. You're a rug. You're letting everybody walk on you. And then you come in here and you just tell her, you know, and it's the truth. And, you know, I, mm. I wound up with breast cancer because I was so, like, I, I just, uh I, I I had a, a second marriage where I I invested I did a lot of bad financial things, you know, for someone else trying to create happiness for them, and then I blamed, you know, it was like all his fault that you know I, and and you know the whole usual thing, you know, and then my mom died and that was wrapped up in it, and I'll never forget I was giving a healing session to this. Um, quite brilliant doctor in Florida and then we did an exchange and then he gave me one and he helped me reframe me. He says, you know what? He says, you know all that money that, you know, you lost and blah, blah, blah and blah, blah, blah. He goes, you realize that the stock market crashed not that long after that. You probably would have lost that anyway. And I looked at him and I just started laughing. I just started laughing. I said, you're absolutely right. And I said, I got the opportunity of owning a Middle Eastern restaurant that was never my vision, but somehow I called it in, didn't I? Right. <laughs> you know, it's like it's all laughable. It's all like and once you get it, it's like there you go, but you have to take 100% responsibility like you're saying and breathe. You know, the first thing people stop doing when they don't feel well or when they're contracted in their bodies or their thinking is their bodies, you know, it all contracts. And so, you know, this book is quite fabulous, Mr. Blake. Oh, thank you. You know, I, I, um, there's so much more to it, but I had searched for so many years for the reason I had actually come to the planet, why I came. You know, we were talking about kind of like blueprints, you know, and there is a blueprint to our life, a destiny, a purpose. And so in writing the book, I wanted to make it as practical as possible because, again, I knew how painful it had been to suffer through these things and to search and to study and to read everything I could. I was so hungry for freedom. And so when I finally found this clarity, I wanted everybody to get it as as easy, as simple as possible. And so that's why I tried to make the book very practical. So you have the theory and then you have the practices after each chapter so you can apply it to your life and clean out all the pain that's stored in your body right now. And and then also because a lot of people struggle financially um, as well, you know, to buy a Twenty dollar book that if you buy a notebook and answer all the questions and do the practices and and I and I oh, promise absolutely. people it can completely change your life. But again, it comes back to what you were saying. You have to take that responsibility. If you don't want to sit down right. and actually clean out house and learn to love yourself, well then you're gonna remain the victim. And I guess this is probably where we should leave it. What we don't realize yeah. is that we 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 get attached to being the victim because we think that's how we're gonna get love. We think that's the way to get attention. Like if I get sick, then people will pay attention to me. Then they'll love me. Then they'll be nice to me. But that's a very self-destructive way to get love. You don't need to be sick or depressed or poor to get love or be a spiritual person or be a good person. You know, you just need to be honest. 
the truth. So, listeners, this is good. This, 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 we're going to be gone. Okay, we have like two, two, like eleven seconds. Okay, so you were born. You were not born to suffer. Love yourself back to inner peace, health, happiness, and fulfillment. Blake Bauer. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being my guest and writing this book. Oh, okay. Cindy, thank you so much for having me. Oh, my gosh. Enjoy the conference. Go feel more love. You're making a difference. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. So are you. Good night, everyone. From my heart to yours. Okay. Good night.